I'm there. My wife and I, we buy a house in Plainfield in Union County. And um, within a few months of us being at that house, I go into a coffee shop that somebody in my neighborhood had, had owned. And uh, I walk in and they have these beautiful floors, really nice. You know, at that point I knew like, okay, this is something cool, this is bullshit, you know. So I knew that it was nice and I started talking to the owner and I go, well, you know, where did you, uh, you know, where'd you get these floors from? He goes, ah, there's some company up in uh, Essex County. They take down old barns and, you know, they uh, turn the wood into like, you know, flooring and things like that. I'm like, oh shit, you know, I was like, all right, I'm gonna give this a shot. So I said, what's the name of the, told me the name of the company. Real antique wood, I don't work there anymore. Great people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I go home, I look them up, I send an email, and I said, hey, uh, you know, I just stopped in this coffee shop. I wanna talk to you about doing outside sales. I don't know, nothing about them, this is it. So uh, within a day or two, the, one of the owners gets back to me, sure, come on in. Uh, I go in there. It was probably four or five rounds of, of interviews the, the smallest company and the hardest interview process that I ever went through, I had to sit my wife down. I'm like, listen, this is like a mill. It's not like a white collar place. I've never done anything like this before. I'm telling you right now, this is where I need to be. Dude, we all have the best time ever to start a small business. If I'm not gonna be 100% in, I'm not gonna do it. Come on, man, just be yourself. Yeah, and, like, and just show up as yourself. If you don't realize what I'm really about, I'm about freedom, family, and my country. Mr. Simpson, welcome, dude. Mr. Robbins, Mr. Robbins, right? Mr. Robbins, thanks for coming down. Thank you for having me. I, seriously, thank you for having me. Yeah. You know, I watch, I've watched almost every episode, right? Some of them all the way through. And uh, you've had some big guests on here. Yeah, it's been cool. It's been very cool. So I, and I appreciate it because I have a newer business, you know, um, I've been around for about a year and you and I had talked, I don't know, in the fall last year. And, you know, it's very cool that you're bringing me in, giving me an opportunity, a platform to uh, talk about my business. And uh, thank you very much. Well, you're here because you're a good dude. And this is all started with local people and four small businesses. So your friends and your family and your supporters and customers that watch this, this was all started and predicated on being able to turn around and give free content out to the young or the old business owner looking to shift gears and help people out in small business ownership. Because coming up, I didn't have much help and I didn't have a huge network of people and I didn't come from money. And I said I always wanted to turn around to help when I made a couple bucks, and that doesn't mean I need to be worth 50 million to do that. I could do that prior to that. And that's what this all started, and you have a small business, your dad, husband, good dude. Um, You're the people that Fireside really wants to support, and those are the people that are helping us get our views and get the attention that we are. So that's why you're here, man. Much appreciated, thanks again. Absolutely. So Chisel and Loom, really cool name. Thank you. Cool business, really cool story, but before we get fully into it, I like to kind of chronologically walk through some people's lives. So you grew up in Middlesex, correct? Middlesex County, Middlesex Wood, County. Woodbridge. Woodbridge. I'm from Fords, but mm-hmm. nobody's ever heard of Fords. Fords Jeweler. Fords Jeweler, there you go, yeah. there you go. That'd be the claim to fame of Fords. So I was there and then, uh, you know, lived in, lived in Woodbridge Township for a long time. And, 
Now my wife and I are in, in Plainfield in Union County. Yeah, and you went to Kane. Went to Kane. Came out of school. You were kind of searching, like, what do I want to do? You were working in big time. I was uh, I was working in the bar industry um, when I was in my twenties. I, I so I went to Middlesex County College. I finished there. Mm-hmm. I think you're supposed to finish there in two years. It's probably a year or two longer than that that it took me, but finished there. And um, you know, I just I, you know. I don't know. I enjoyed the bar business, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that for you know a good chunk of my twenties. Um, got my degree while I was doing that. Uh, met my wife while I was while I was working the bar business, and uh, yeah, I mean it was you know. I think you probably like it because I could tell you enjoy people. I do enjoy people. Yeah, and, you know, and conversating. You know, if I if I, uh, you know, there there are guys that are really good at, at certain trades whether you work with your hands or, you know, whatever it is that you, that you do. But, um, you know, if I, if I have a skill, it's, it's, it's networking and, 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 and putting people together. I don't think it's too different probably from what your talent mm-hmm. is, if I had to guess, or at least one of your talents. Yeah, I'm definitely a master connector just naturally. Yeah. I always talk about it in a frame of, like, my head is a computer, and I meet you, and I know that you're in this reclaimed wood space, and you get dropped into a file, and... All of a sudden, someone's searching for that file, or we're having a conversation with someone else who's looking for reclaimed wood, and bloop, I pull that file up, and I'm like, dude, you got to hook up with my boy Simpson. Yep. Good dude, you guys would get, you know, hit it off, yada, yada, yada. That's how I've always kind of naturally worked. It's not even tactful or strategic. It's just what I do. Even before I was in the finance game and looking to network, and uh, that's a really big skill set and a nugget for the young people watching, like, have the ability to communicate, not just online, and online's great, and this is a tool that helps me grow my brand and my business, but be able to do this and do it pretty well. Right. It's important. I don't, you know, you know, it's funny. Um, when I was 22 or 23 or whatever, you know, for a long time, I, I didn't really appreciate that. You know, I think it's something that that uh, they don't really teach you in school, it, you know, or, or, or they don't, or they don't appreciate it. You know, I, I don't, I don't know what the answer is, but, but it took me a long time to figure that out. They you know, teach you to be in the rat race and listen. Right. Which is, you know, that's what school's for, you know, yeah. so, which is, you know, it's good for a good chunk of the people that go there. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, you know, uh, it you're outside the box guy. You wanted more. Right. You thought differently, obviously. Right. Exactly. So, you, when we were talking briefly, and for most people who don't realize, like, there's no scripted questions here, so we're just going off the cuff and chatting like you would in the backyard with your friends around the fire pit. That's, that's right. So you worked for Merrill's Edge, which is a Bank of America, uh, as an advisor for a little while, right? I did that, I don't know, maybe maybe a year. I tried. I gave my best, yeah. gave my best efforts. It's, you know? a tough, it's a tough industry. It's, I can, a, it's a tough I can industry. I tell you that. <laughs> it's a tough industry, as, as you know, and... Um, you know, my, my family had worked there, like a few people in my family. My mom worked there for a long time. Um, you know, I, you know I, I think that I was probably doing stuff that I thought other people would want me to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just figured, hey, it's whatever. It's a, it's a job. I'm, you know, I like it. And I don't know, How old were one. you then? Ah, I was in, that was early 30, like 30, maybe. Yeah. I, I'd done a stint in commercial real estate before that. Yeah, And in that, I'll tell you, I was in commercial real estate for five years. I just want to talk about this briefly. You know, and what I did there, I did a lot of industrial real estate, right? So you have a warehouse space somewhere, you need more space, you're going somewhere else. That's how I made money, right? People that needed that. More space, less space. Um, and in doing that, I had to knock on doors. All, I worked for a very successful team. One of the, 
most successful teams in the country in, uh, at the company that I was at. And, um, but I was like, you know, they were like, all right, go out and kill some, kill some prey. Yeah. Bring it back for us. You know, so I was there like knocking on doors, driving. Another lost art that most people don't do. Right, right, driving, and you know, driving CEOs around that were like, when I say a CEO, I don't mean like the CEO of Bank of America or so. You know, it's a guy that has like a $10 million company. Mm-hmm. You, know, it's, you know, maybe he's in his 40s or his 50s. I was in my 20s. Yeah. You know, and, and it was like. Learning a ton from them, picking their brain, listening to what they were saying. Such a lesson that I honestly probably benefit more from now than I did when I was doing it, if that makes sense. And we talk about that all the time. So what you're going through at the time, it may not be where you want to be, but just remember that's down the road. What you're currently in is setting you up for what you're going to do in the future. And I, I was the same way. There was stupid shit I went through, frustrations. And then years later, when you reflect on everything, you're like, I'm good at this because of that. Yeah. I would get I would get frustrated, you know, just being in the trenches, right? I would get frustrated, like what, you know, there were just times where I couldn't see the forest from the trees. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at some point, you got to learn to live there mm-hmm. and, and appreciate it and, and find out why it is that you're there and what it is that you're learning when you're there. Yeah. You know, and then, and then, it, and then it, even though it, it might, you might say I'm not where I want to be, at least it's, at least it's enjoyable. You can pick the lesson. You try, you, you try to find the gratitude in it. You look for the positivity. And again, that's not easy to do when you're, you know, I was cold calling. You were walking and knocking on doors. Same, same concept. I was calling 200 people and be like, hey, you know, did your health insurance suck? And they're all like, yeah, fuck you, save me money, you know? And, you know, you're walking and, you know, knocking. That's, that's a hard thing to do. And uh, really kind of, you know, nowadays a little antiquated, right? And you're still doing some of that to this day because you're comfortable with it, you're good at it, and you instantly... It's extremely beneficial. Yeah. And, you know, my thing is, is uh, there's a lot of ways in, in what I do now where, where you can get business. There's the different trade shows, you know, whatever it is. But a lot of people, there's no reason knocking on doors should be antiquated. You know, yeah. it's, it's that way because of the internet, which is fine, right? There's a yeah. huge benefit to the internet. But well, it's that way because people don't know how to do it. Don't know how to do it. That's just, just why you should be good at it. Yeah. <laughs> just do it. You know, there's never a time, even today, when I know the inside and the outside of what I'm about to talk to somebody about, where I don't feel uncomfortable opening that door and not knowing what I'm going to walk into. Yeah. The other day I was in, uh, you know, I'll just tell you a quick story. I was in Brooklyn and, uh, you know, a lot of those, uh, a lot of those office towers there are just, I don't know, they're just kind of hodgepodge. So I knocked on the door. It was glass. I could only see one person sitting there. Nobody answered. Everybody ignored me. I could open the door. I walk in and it's like 10 people hard at work and me just standing there. And I'm like, shit, like that's, that was an incredibly like humbling experience. You know, and they all had to stop what they were doing and look at me yeah, as I'm like talking here? to them. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just, I have some wood I want to sell you, yeah, you know, I don't yeah. know. But it was, uh, you know, once you get over that 10 seconds of awkwardness, it opens a lot of doors. Yeah, it definitely does. I, I just think with the internet nowadays, there's just efficient ways to do more of that. So when you do do it, it's amplified, you know. Uh, but it's definitely a lost art. The young people nowadays don't have that ability to, to talk to you. I'll give you a perfect example. Younger kids, 17, love them, hustler. I'm going to start giving out free 10-minute calls to young people, 17, 18 years old, that aren't taking the college route. And um, 
really sharp kid, could tell he was very intelligent, but he was super shy, and he's not a shy guy. You know, he was referring to me like, this guy is quick-witted, and he's great in the restaurant, and blah, 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 blah. But on the phone, you could tell he had this call reluctance. He was quiet and reserved. And again, I know he was trying to listen to me and learn. Um, you could just tell there's a different barrier, because they're all used to doing this, which right. I do, obviously, a lot as well. But my skill set was built on walking and talking and dialing for dollars. And if you know, the phone's tough, man. I think you got. I think you need to be a better salesperson to make 200 phone calls than to walk it. You know, because you just need to get a vibe of who that person is. You got to figure out the their voice. emotions by their voice versus I can see the body language in person. It's tough. Yeah. You know. You know. There, there's definitely it takes a certain skill set for one or the other. I was actually more comfortable at first. Not that I was uncomfortable talking to somebody in person. I was awesome at it. It just came natural. It was what I was selling. I wasn't fully confident in what I was selling in a sense of, you know, you start dealing with business owners and business owner planning, it's, it's complex. So to walk in and the business owner's like, well, what about this? And I don't have the answer. Then you kind of, you blew your shot. Where over the phone, you have the ability to build rapport, touch back with them. Hey, I got you that answer. Um, so the phones just came a little bit more comfortable to me at first, and then the walking and talking and networking and all that stuff came, which we'll get further into. Right, yeah. But that, you know, that, that is a, you know, like talking about being in the trenches, that's a part of it that you need to learn to enjoy. I mean, that's, you know, the, the, the other day, I haven't really even talked about what I do yet, but the other, the other day I went, I, was, I drove out to the Hamptons, right? I don't know. I, set, I emailed a couple people, called a couple people, two people out of maybe 15 or 20 even responded to me, mm-hmm. and one of them um, ended up buying a buying a floor. Right? I, they didn't know me from Adam. I went there. It took me four hours to drive out there. I drove out there. Yeah, that's a hike. I met. I go yeah. to Long Island often. I know the drive. Oh, it was so. So I so I go out there and I, I met with the woman. She's a she's a big designer out there, and uh, she's like, yeah, I like what you have. You know, you have stuff that not everybody has, and this is what I want. Her her floor is about to hit a boat headed from Europe to, uh, to the Hamptons uh, in about five awesome. weeks. Yeah, yeah, so. And we'll get into that. I, I, I know a good amount of designers watch this show, only through other people. I've had uh, a couple teams reach out to us and send their page, they're a designer. Uh, we haven't had any on, but hey, you never know. Maybe they're watching tonight and they're but, able to hear about your wood and what you do, and that kind of leads me to the next segment. You know, tell us about what Chisel and Loom is and how it all really came about. I know you were working in the wood shop to begin with, and this kind of caught your eye. So, uh, yeah, and and a lot of that was networking, right? Just kind of sticking with that, with that theme, right? That that kind of getting yourself out there. I uh, I was always, you know, even even moving from a, selling a service, which commercial real estate finance, you know, into selling a product. Uh, when I when I started selling a product, I worked for a company coincidentally based out of Long Island. And um, I met that company through commercial real estate. I was driving guys around. The guy was trying to pitch me at the time. I could tell that. So I was like, all right, let me put this in my back pocket. Like two or three years later, I called him up. I said, hey, you know, I'm looking to get out of selling services. I want to sell a product. So I, was, so I sold for them. I didn't spend a lot of time there. It was nothing, you know, nothing. Not, go ahead. Hey, stop for a second. Sure. I'm going to go back on that. How old were you when you put that in your back pocket? 
must have been in my like 27, 28, something like that. 27, 28. So you are maturing. You do have an awareness of what's going on, but that's a nugget. <clears throat> and people need to realize that. The people that you meet in business, they may not be somebody who is a direct benefit to you today, but they can be a year or two years or three years down the road. And if there's people you feel you connect with, they can add value to you, they're powerful, they have, you know, they're a center of influence. Make sure you build rapport with that person and you never know where you can help each other. 100%. And that was good that you slide that in your back pocket and was able to reach out later. Obviously, you made an impact on him. Right, right. And, you know, so I ended up working for that. And that, again, that company was, uh, I think you had said at one time, you worked for like a flooring and carpeting company yeah, back Avalon. in the day. Avalon, there you go. So, you know, they, they fired me. I didn't want to hang rugs anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there was nothing, nothing fancy, right? Yeah. It was just basic stuff. Um, but again, setting appointments, architects, designers. So I was learning about that world and I was learning about it at a company that, you know, was not doing anything too exotic, right? Uh, so I'm there. My wife and I, we buy a house in Plainfield in Union County. And um, within a few months of us being at that house, I go into a coffee shop that somebody in my neighborhood had, had owned. And uh, I walk in and they have these beautiful floors, really nice. You know, at that point I knew like, okay, this is something cool, this is bullshit, you know. So I knew that it was nice and I started talking to the owner and I go, well, you know, where did you, uh, you know, where'd you get these floors from? He goes, ah, there's some company up in uh, Essex County. They take down old barns and, you know, they uh, turn the wood into like, you know, flooring and things like that. I'm like, oh shit, you know, it's like, all right, I'm gonna give this a shot. So I said, what's the name of the, I told me the name of the company. Real Antique Wood, I don't work there anymore. Great people. Mm -hmm. um, so I go home, I look them up, I send an email and I said, hey, uh, you know, I just stopped in this coffee shop. I want to talk to you about doing outside sales. I don't know, nothing about them. This is it. So uh, within a day or two, one of the owners gets back to me. Sure, come on in. Uh, I go in there. It was probably four or five rounds of, of interviews. The, the smallest company and the hardest interview process that I ever went through, I had to sit my wife down. I'm like, listen. This is like a mill. It's not like a white collar place. I've never done anything like this before. I'm telling you right now, this is where I need to be. They were uh, a complete, uh, a full service mill about 20 minutes outside of Manhattan. Why'd you feel like that's where you needed to be? Just said it. Full service mill about 20, 20 minutes out of Manhattan. So just location and for, for people and even myself, what does a full service mill mean? So they'll do anything from flooring. It's all reclaimed wood, right? Mm -hmm. So it's specific to that basically, but flooring, wall cladding, custom furniture, live edge slabs, beams, anything like that, right? So, and the reclaimed wood business is like the, the wild west, right? It's a highly unregulated business. There's no standards. There's a bunch of cowboys out there that I was going to say, do you guys just hop in like U-Hauls and like drive out to Alabama and take down barns on you, people's properties? Exactly. You're, you are 100% right. I've done that. Uh, I've done that before. One of the things, so now I leave these two white collar jobs, Cushman, you know, Cushman and Wakefield, commercial real estate, Merrill Edge, and I'm going to take a barn down in Bucks County in August in 100 degree weather. 
you know, I don't know what people are thinking. I don't really care. Like, this yeah. is awesome. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. You know, so so I did outside. So what, I, what drew you to that, though? Like, were you, like, did you work with your hands when you were younger? Was your dad someone who was a craftsman? Like, so, so I didn't, you know, briefly, I, I didn't have a relationship with my dad. I met my dad when I was much older, mm. right? Uh, when I was in my 30s. Mm. Um, so, but, it, but, but my grandfather was a builder. You know, he was retired by the time that I was old enough to know what was going on. But I, you know, I lived in his house until I was eight years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, did that have an influence on me? I don't know. I, I always remember that I lived. Well, you come from that lineage. He worked with his hands. Right. And my and, you know, my, my mother and I, we, we lived in apartments. And I always kind of remember being like, you know, when I grow older, when I get older, I want to live in something that doesn't look like everything else. I want to, you know, so and I never really like appreciated that thought that much. But I think that that was something that I, I could have spent more time investigating, you know, because, you know, come full circle and now we're here, I'm in this really exotic business that does this highly customized, different stuff in these really beautiful homes, you yeah. know? So when you got into the mill, obviously you started to learn a ton about that business, a ton about the reclaimed wood, you know, wild, wild west, as you would call it. And at what point did you say, I want to go out on my own. I want to make this more exotic. I want to you know, tap into markets that this company isn't really in right now. It's not their niche. You know, when was that? How long were you there? And, and what really made you take that leap a year ago? So I was there, I think, just over five years or about five years. And um, one of the things that I had kind of tried to do was get them to participate in trade shows different things like that right I always wanted to open my own business I always knew that that was going to be the end oh you know being a small business owner I knew that you know I didn't know like what that was going to look like or how that was going to work but um a, a little maybe I guess this was almost two years ago 18 months ago something like that going into the summer of 2021 right uh, there's trade shows going on. I said, hey guys, can we do these trade shows? Boom, boom, boom. Now, the one got, you know, because of the pandemic, things got screwed up. And it was like the second or third year in a row where they were just not willing to do a trade show. And at the, honestly, at that point, I'm like, that's it. I'm not going to be here next year at this time. I don't know where I'm going to be, uh, but I'm not going to be here. That's it. You know? And um, from that point, I just started formulating. Uh, first of all, like what it was going to be, the logo, the name, that was the first and foremost. And, and once I had that, I started to go out and look at space. Um, and where are you located again? I'm in Chatham, in Morris yeah. County. I'm right by... Right downtown? So I'm just outside of downtown, but I'm right off Route 24. I'm like a half mile from the Short Hills Mall. It's a great, great little retail location. Um, there is, and this is part of the story, as I was... Going through that process, there was a, a, a woman, uh, her name's Trish, and uh, her, uh, her company is Colette Interiors, and she lives in Chatham. And um, so I'd, I had done the beams for her house. And so I needed to somebody to bring this idea to somebody. I didn't want to bring it to the people that I was working with, because obviously yeah. they, I didn't want them to know it at that point. Uh, so you know, I emailed her, I said, Trish, you know, uh, can I come talk to you? I have this idea for this business I want to do. So yeah, sure. Go to, at that time, she did not have a space. She was operating out of her house. Um, let's go there. Uh, show, I did like a PowerPoint presentation. 
I showed her everything that I was planning on doing. She's like, that's fantastic. She was saying to me, talking about putting things in your back pocket. She was saying to me, yeah, every time I call these places, I try to bring on brands. She tries to bring, bring on brands for her to sell as well, for her to retail. She goes, and a lot of them want me to have a, a brick and mortar location, but I don't have that yet. Boom. Put that in my back pocket, looking at spaces with a, with a commercial real estate guy that was a friend of mine. And uh, come across this place in Chatham that was like four times the amount of space and money that I could live in or afford. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, shit, this place is cool. This is yeah. a really cool spot. It's like a home from like the 1850s. It's right in like this little retail center. I'm like, this is a cool spot. So I said to Trish, hey, it's right around the corner from her house. I said, hey, I just found this spot here. You think you want to rent it with me? Because I can't afford it by myself. She goes, 100%. All right, you know, so. And what a great match. Great you know, match. She's, yeah, she's going in and selling. She's doing her interior. Wood. She's doing everything, but. Right, right. Somebody she's, who's on her vendor list. Correct, correct. So, um, so that was back in, well, I don't know, the fall, like the, the fall or winter of 2021, right? <laughs> that, was, that was getting late into the year in 2021. Uh, the, the, the owner of the property, um, landlord, he's like, no, I want to, it was a two floor space and the upstairs was like an apartment. And we're like, you know, we're not renting that out. That's an apartment. It's not suitable for commercial needs. Um, and he goes, well, I want to rent the whole thing. That's it. Boom. All right. And I keep looking. So now her and I are looking together right now. Now, like she's like tied in with me. I'm like, all right, cool. Like this, this person like wants to occupy a space, you know, mm-hmm. like that, that was a cool feeling. It was a good feeling. Um, it made me feel confident in what I was doing and my plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so long, long story short, we end up like in the spring of 2022, six or seven months after we looked at the space, he was never able to rent it. We had our guy, our commercial real estate guy, go back to him, ask the landlord, hey, you still interested in just releasing the first floor? And he goes, yeah, sure, at least the first floor. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> so listen. in the long run, we ended up right back where we started. Yeah, right that's the first how, that's how it works sometimes. Ah, oh, dude, you know, it was... Uh, you know, it's just a, it's just a wild thing. It's a wild thing that's kind of happening like real time. Yeah. Know? Well, that's the journey of it all. That's the excitement of it all. The you know some of the fear and anxiety of it all as a business owner is like, you know, you look back now ten years from now, you'd be like, oh, that start. You know, partnering up with her, getting the space launch, the podcast, and just everything that you're doing that is going to compound for you and your business. I want to talk about why your reclaimed wood is maybe different from others in this space. And I don't know the space at all, but I know you keep saying exotic. So that to me says rare, unique, not happening often. So um, some of what I sell, you you can get in in some other places, right? Uh, Some of the cladding, uh, which is like, you know, stuff that you might put on an accent wall in your home or, you know, even even back here, you could do that, right? Mm -hmm. but some of the other stuff that I sell, so when I was, when I was at my shop that I was working at, I uh, made a contact, right? I was going to networking events, right? I, I, and I'm going to tell you this. I can't tell you how many times I went to networking events and ended up talking to some old lady about her cats or something like that. Yeah. You know, just pointless, yeah. right? You get more, caught in the conversation and they're nice yeah, people. They're nice people, you know, more times than not, like... That's what happened, right? So, so, so uh, one night I go to this event in the city and uh, I end up meeting a company that was new to the US. They're a Belgian-based company and um, they were like, they're a reclaimed wood company. 
They export a lot of wood from Canada and the U.S. Reclaimed wood is very hard to get. There's not there's a lot of stone barns in Europe. There's not a lot of wood barns in Europe. Yeah. Right. So a lot of the stuff that a lot of the reclaimed wood that they have over there is from the U.S. or mm-hmm. from Canada, from North America. Um, so we end up shipping. We end up doing business with this company. Right. We end up shipping a bunch of wood from the U.S. to Europe. Now, when I was starting my company, um, starting the idea, the concept, I reached out to the CEO of this European company. The name of their company is Atmosphere and Bois, which means atmosphere and, and wood, mm-hmm. right? And the CEO of that company is Philippe. And so I reached out to Philippe. I said, hey, I want to carry some of your products in the U.S. I know we haven't done, I, I hadn't sent him any wood for like a few years. I really hadn't talked to him at all. So I called him, he didn't pick up the phone. I left him a message. He called me back within like an hour. He was on some hunting trip in like the black forest in Germany, That's shooting awesome. bucks. And I, so when he called me back, I'm like, this guy wants to do business with me. I'm like, cause there's no way that he's gonna call me back in the yeah, middle of this hunting of trip. Hunt. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so, um, so he goes, That's fine. Uh, he goes, but uh, you know, my, my daughter, who was, who was originally running the showroom in, in the US, went back and opened a, a showroom in Paris during the pandemic. You know, she kind of went back home, I guess, yeah. close to home. He goes, so I need somebody to, to, to kind of occupy that showroom a couple days a week. He's like, if you carry my stuff in your showroom, can you do that for me? That's a stupid question, no doubt. Yeah. You know, no doubt. So, 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 so um, what, we, what they sell in Europe, the exotic, the more rare stuff, I do a lot of aged flooring, right? And aged flooring is technically not reclaimed wood, right? If you talk to a company that only sells reclaimed wood, they go, oh, it's technically not reclaimed wood. Okay, but it's a beautiful product, right? It's French oak, it's naturally aged. It's got, they, they do a wire brush process to it. So I'm gonna geek out on you for a minute. All the medullary rays, which are in like a quarter sawn piece of French oak or, or American oak, the, the medullary rays almost bump up on it, right? The harder parts of the grain, stay and the softer parts get pulled away by that wire brush. Mm. It just creates this really kind of beautiful looking product. In Europe, they mill things for the for the like the art of it, right? For the length, for the width. So a lot of times in the US you might only be able to get six inch wide white oak, seven foot long, right? I can get twelve inch wide white oak, ten foot long. Yeah. Based on the unique. different processes they do out there. You know, so so when I talk, you know and if you're not in the business, that might not mean that much to you. But when I talk to somebody who's in the business, an architect or a designer, they are compelled by those things. All I know is it sounds good and it sounds like, uh, you know, something my wife would like. So I'm glad that she's inside or this might be getting very expensive. <laughs> it sounds like some really cool. I mean, when I think about the mountain house that I'm going to build, like that's the stuff that I want. So we'll stay that's close. It. I do like discounts, though. Remember, I put you on the podcast. Oh, you don't even have to ask. <laughs> you don't even have to ask. Yeah, that, that, it's still going to be expensive. Yeah, that's, that, that's rare, and it's, and it's cool stuff. And listen, you're, you're building the house of your dreams, or you're building the mountain house of your dreams. Like, you want to go get something that's rare, something that's unique. Like, I'm a guy that wants to do something that's different all the time. That's just how my brain works. I'm working on the opposite side of probably most people. And if I'm spending that type of money on a house, I want to spend that type of money on some really cool flooring. So you're a creative guy. You wouldn't yeah. be doing this if you weren't, you mm-hmm. know. And I, like, you know, I kind of felt the same way, man. I like there was just a, you know, before I got into this, there was just like a part of my brain that just wasn't being used. That just didn't need to be used. Yeah. And I was like, it was like 
you know, I was like starving myself yeah. in that sense. It's the truth. Like the creativity does get starved when you're stuck in like the, all right, I got to just do this. I got to just do that. You don't have a second to remove from the micro and come out to the macro and just think. Or our last guest on from Surf Talk or Rob was like, I just went down to a tent and just got creative and started jotting down my thoughts and figuring out what I wanted to do. Because a lot of times if you do have that ability you're not really tapping into it enough because you get caught in the rat race. You get caught in the hustle. It's good to be busy. It's definitely good to of be course. busy, but it's also good to like leave yourself some time for your thoughts. Mm. You know, and I like I've tried to like get get better at just keep myself clear headed. You know, and yeah. and and just like you know, even a lot of times in this in this industry, there are a lot of challenges. Like I can give you a for instance, right? The other day I'm doing this beautiful job up in northern Westchester County. Uh, it's like a compound, right? Now, I don't know any of these guys, right? I just had gotten hooked up with the designer because she knew about the company that I was selling, Atmosphere and Bois, that I was selling material for. And uh, I go up there and the architect says to me, I want 11-inch molding, base molding and, uh, and uh, trim molding. And I'm like, shit, all right, oh, fuck it. You know, if you call a molding place and you say, hey, I need 11 inch molding, I say, get out of here, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. Maybe you get seven or eight inch, right? But this was a custom project. So I go, shit, what am I gonna do? I don't know, this, this is a brand new guy. This is a great contact for me. I can't tell him that I can't get it. I'm not gonna tell him that, yeah. right? I'm not gonna tell him that. I don't know what I'm gonna tell him. I was trying to get answers out of him. He was being very vague with me. Um, so finally, I actually linked up with the with the mill that I that I worked at um there's a guy Anthony over there that, that that's become part owner and you know he's he's a great dude and he's a great fabricator um and I said hey this is like what I'm looking for um and he had some like material that was out there it was it was do you know what a live edge slab is not really a live edge slab people do tables out of it it's basically you take a tree yes take the tree yes. you slice yes. the tree right close it up with some resin or some type of exactly finish. yeah so uh, he had some dimensional pieces he had cut out from a slab, and they were 11 and three quarters wide. I go, boom. I'm like, how much of this stuff can you get? He goes, as much as you want. I was like, there we go. That's it. I brought, I, it hurt me to buy. I had to buy that piece because it was a big piece. Mm-hmm. And I'm you know, a brand-new business owner. I don't have money to be spending on luxuries like that. That's the risk you got to take. So, so I said, listen, I can keep this piece of wood here and take a picture of it and bring it up there. And they're going to be like, oh, okay. Or I can just bite the bullet and buy this piece of wood, throw it in my car, bring it up there. Boom, did that. Sold. Done. Yeah. And he goes, you know what? Can you make flooring out of this too? I go, yeah, I can make flooring. Well, of course we can make flooring out of it. Yeah. You know, so like. Those you know, things, that, and again, nugget, those are the things that people that are willing to go the extra mile that earn the business. And a lot of times that can become right. frustrating for you to you know, shoot down or up or wherever you were out to this mill, try to figure something out, do the extra legwork. That architect is, is probably on 10 different jobs. They're probably somebody that is well sought after. You're a new guy trying to become somebody or somewhat of a partner with this person. Like, you got to do the legwork. And sometimes when, you know, some of us young business owners have a big ego, we don't like to do the legwork. We feel like, you know, we're doing too much. But if someone's above you and they're not, you're not to where they are, you just got to do the extra work. So kudos for you. And somebody's giving you, he, he, in, what he was doing was giving me an opportunity. Yeah. Can you find this? 
Yeah. You know, let's see, like, I don't really know you. Let me just throw something at yeah. you that's going to be like. He was throwing shit against the wall. He probably didn't even think you were going to get something. He, yeah, he was like, you know what? If he doesn't find it, I'll just get regular seven inch molding. Who the hell cares? Yeah. You know, but like, it was, uh, you know, and now, now, now that, that, that's somebody that I'm going to do a lot of business with. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I got to put a hat on. Real cold. What is that? <laughs> West Properties. West Properties? My boy T. West, the real T. West. Check him out on Instagram. He's one of the first guys we did the local mentorship program and coaching with. The dude's killing it. He's, yes, I've seen him. Yeah, nice. He's doing flips and stuff like that, doing right? Doing some flips. He's, you know, obviously selling real estate as well, and he's got a lot of really cool shit lined up and uh, really pr- proud of him. So That's great. I'm glad to rock his brand. That's fantastic. So talking about brands and friends, you got this beer here with us and again i'm on this 90 day challenge so i, I know join you terrible time to bring a beer but i had but i had to bring it for for a few reasons um one is and you guys probably can't see too well at home it's a nice little label here there's a hummingbird on it the beer is called amora it was brewed uh by a couple friends of mine a few friends of mine the seed down in Atlantic City. If you've uh, never been there before, it's a great brewery. They've been open for a couple years. And uh, it was and brewed- it's called The Seed? The Seed. Right, Sean and Amanda, uh, husband and wife, own the brewery, younger couple, uh, great entrepreneurs, great people. Maybe somebody you could have on the show one day. Go listen, tell them to fill out an application. We'll do it, I'll do it. Yeah. I'm gonna see him soon. Uh, and this beer was brewed for an event, an event called Melissa's Wings. Uh, it's my, my buddy, another friend of mine, Jose. He's a, you know, kind of a big guy in the craft beer world. Not a brewer, but a photographer. You know, he promotes a lot of brands. And uh, his mother, uh, a long time ago, when he was much younger, passed away from cancer, unfortunately. And so what he does is once a year, he holds this event called Melissa's Wings. His mother's name was Melissa. And... Um, what they'll do is they'll host it at different breweries. It was at alternate ending this past year, which is not too far from here in uh, Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. And um, they'll do kind of raffles, right? So they'll raffle these different beers, these really exotic beers that come from different breweries around the country. It's become this huge thing and it raises a bunch of money for cancer. And they also brew a beer. And this beer was brewed in 2021 uh, for the event, which was again at the Seed in Atlantic City. And this is a uh, cool, cool concept. And I'm telling you, this is you, you look at this and you might say, this is this is not beer. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it it's like in a wine. it's in a bottle. It looks yeah. like champagne or wine, right? Uh, but it is uh, an oak fermented immatured saison, which is which is a type of beer. With, Sounds fancy. It's it's fancy, super fancy. You like exotic stuff. It might be huh? French, actually. Coincidentally, you have an exotic car. <laughs> What's that? Do you have an exotic car? Yeah, Mitsubishi. <laughs> that is exotic. They're rare nowadays. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was brewed with blackberries and chamomile. That's awesome. Right? Pop it open. Tell we'll us pop it open. Is. Hopefully it doesn't bubble over here. Matt, you should get a couple of the plastic cups or something else to try it out. I'd love to pour you something. You know, in the beer culture, in the craft beer culture, there's a thing called a beer share. And it's kind of what everybody does normally anyway. They just have fancy beers and they yeah. label it a beer share, right? So, you know, we crack open a bunch of nice bottles like this one here and, you know, we pour a little bit out for each other. So and what would that go for if I go to buy it? Uh, if you went to buy this, it could be somewhere between, I don't remember what they sold it for, but probably somewhere between 20 and $30. Yeah. And you what's know, the alcohol percentage in it? 4.6. It's yeah. something that in the summertime when your pool's open, you could sit there and crush it and, yeah, and feel it. good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
But, you know, there's bottles out there that go for $1,500. Yeah. Right? A 16-ounce bottle of beer. And we're going to get into your knowledge on beers and why you know that a second after we try this beer. Oh, now I'm on the we, spot here. We got, yeah, we got to, we got to, we got to give a raving review, or we got to tell them it's doo doos. You know, one sip, everybody knows the rule. Well, oh, that's right. Yeah, but no, it's uh, it's it's very good. It's a little tart. It's uh, I like tart. Yeah, but it's got a nice fruitiness to it. A little bit of a dry finish. It's mm-hmm. not so different than a wine. Yeah. Right. Um, it looks like a wine. It looks like Until a wine. Until you poured it. Un- unfortunately, you know, you're on the uh, 90 day. I need a cleanse, which I which I can respect and appreciate. Yeah, trust me, I I, I look to enjoy. Oh, we got those are some nice fireside glasses. Oh, yeah. Ooh, let's pour it up. There we go. Yeah, so this is good, man. You guys, if you're not familiar with the craft beer culture, you are officially uh, a beer share. Having your first beer share, oh. you don't even know it. Thank you, Evan. It's like communion. Yeah. It's like communion. There's no way for them. They should serve more alcohol right. in church. Cheers, brother. Cheers. So, talking about craft beers, you actually run a podcast on brews, and Bruce. Um, I'm not going to try to butcher the name. I will, but I, I will say the name. America yeah. the Brutiful, mm-hmm. right? So, we've been doing this. It started during the pandemic. Uh, I will say that right now we're in the top 3% of podcasts worldwide. No shit. Worldwide, right? And what's your partner's name in that? Uh, my partner's name is Dan Holloway, right? Yeah. And uh, he is a news guy. He works for a, uh, a large news organization. And, um, you know, the, the, so the craft beer world, like you may be finding out that we just talked about this bottle, there's, there's different levels of craft beer people. Just like right? everything, wine and... Just like, right, wine, urban. sneakers. It's yeah. very similar to sneaker industry. So they have these crazy releases. <laughs> So I used to just be a guy that would just, I don't know, go to a brewery, pick up a four-pack. And uh, met my buddy Dan. He started telling me about all these different ways to get craft beer. I'm like, let's do a podcast about it. This is great information. Let's People talk don't, about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, a couple of years ago, we, we started doing it. And we just do it every week. We've gotten to know a lot of great local breweries. We've gotten to know a lot of great local bar owners. Uh, it's a fantastic community. Mm-hmm. You know, listen, if you're not into craft beer, I'm not going to say it's like the most interesting podcast, but it is a quality podcast mm-hmm. that if you want to know more about craft beer or if you are involved in craft beer, I can guarantee you, you will find it interesting. I, I, I checked it out at first. There was some good stuff. Do you know Gannon? Gannon? I think his last name's Meyer. I he's, don't. He's content creation, but I know he was really kind of starting with the content, working with the breweries. I know he did a lot with Bradley Brew. He did stuff with Yankees. and We did an episode of Bradley Brew Project. Yeah. And if you're a sports radio guy and you listen to Boomer and Geo, mm-hmm. uh, we did an episode with Al Dukes. Oh, that's cool. At, uh, at Bradley Brew Project. I don't remember the name of the owner of Bradley Brew Project off the top of my head. That's a great business. They make great beer. Um, this is what we're going to do. I'm, I'm done with the 90 days. We're going to do your podcast, and I don't know why, but a lot of people have requested me to come on theirs, and I've kind of been turning that down, and to fully give my story and allow me to interview me, I've been looking at people to do that on this platform, but maybe if you'll have me, I'll hop on, and we'll taste a bunch of different craft beers. 100%. 100%. be fun. Yeah, we'll go to, I don't know. I don't know. Go to Last Wave, maybe, or or a new spot in Asbury. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, wild, wild air in Asbury is, mm-hmm. is is a good spot as well. Yeah, no, we'll we'll, we'll definitely do that. One hundred percent. That would be great. Then you get me really sideways. 
That's right. We're going to corrupt you, bro. Listen, I like corruption. There we go. So business ownership, I want to talk about your wife for a minute. And your wife's first name again, I apologize. Samantha. Samantha. You guys were both new business owners. The pandemic hit. You just had a child. You know, your wife's business, if you want to give a little bit of commercial for her, she deserves it. Sure. What's the name of that? So the name of her business is in, is Theatrical Artist Prep. She uh, uh, Her business is located in Scotch Plains. Uh, they teach young kids, teenagers, even adults, acting, stage, screen. Um, you know, more, most importantly, it's just a, it's a great, community that she's built uh, within this town it's her tribe it's her tribe right and 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 you know she's got she's got it's a lot of females but there's males in it too you know some it's funny some of the sometimes it, in the beginning, I used to co- kind of go in there and teach improv and stuff like that because I love doing stuff like that. And so I'd kind of try to stick with like the young boys that decide to do it. But it's mostly young females. Mm-hmm. And they just, you know, she just builds. She's very good at building their confidence, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you get a lot of kids in there. Some of them are just naturals and they're just outgoing and, then, and they, they were kind of meant to do that, right? But you also have some kids in there that are super shy, mm-hmm. right? And you think maybe their parents are doing it to say, hey, let's get this kid out. And she's very good at molding them and building their confidence. Pulling it out of them. Yes, yes. That's really cool. Yeah, so she, um, she's in her fifth year. So she was like in her, the finishing up her second year when the pandemic started to hit. And she um, adapted and got through. She adapted, yeah, I mean, I guess she adapted for sure, you know. She uh, forced it, to. It was, it, was, uh, it was tough. You know, you imagine these kids are on uh, video Zoom calls all day at school that they have to attend. Yeah. And then at night, she can't, you know, she's got to kind of follow this, what the schools do. You can't have them coming into class if the schools are closed. So trying to get them on a Zoom call after they've been doing it for eight hours, it's yeah. almost impossible. Yeah. You know, but... Um, you know, we've, we had a lot of great friends. Things got real hairy. We had a lot of great friends who, who helped us out. Um, and, you know, for, she, you know, she deserves that. You know, yeah. she, she 100% deserves that, right? I mean, if it wasn't for, wasn't for her, like, I don't even know if I'd have my business. You know, yeah. you understand what I mean? Because she's kind of done so much for me, just uh, <clears throat> pointing out my weaknesses and when I'm being an idiot and, mm-hmm. you know, all Lives those. are good for that. <laughs> yeah. And we yeah. need it. Yeah. And we need it. And at some point, I started to listen. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> All right, maybe she's got a point. Yeah. Kelly does it for me all the time, still to this day. Yeah, that's good. So, like, we've talked about this a few times on the show, but business ownership and being a dad and, and you know, being married to your queen, right? And I, I try to look at myself now as I'm the king and my wife's the queen, and, you know, we have to make sure that we put our family first. And, dude, I am the first person to admit I'm no better than anybody else. Like, I get caught up in work, right, you know? you're chasing down this dream that you look to give to your family. Like that's my why, my family, and to live how I want to live and help as many people as I can. And it was something that Kelly sparked in me when I first met her to really like start to take that all much more seriously. And a lot of times you see business owners have bad relationships because you know, you're a business owner, a lot of times you are married to it. Now, as you elevate and scale, you're able to remove yourself a little bit more, but as a small business owner like you, like myself, your wife, you're, you're in it. You gotta be there every day. And your relationship gets on the back burner. 
And I wanted you to kind of talk about how you and your wife pushed through that because it's not just one business owner, there's two. Yeah, so it's tough. I mean, it's not, it's not like, a, it's not like a, you know, I don't want to romanticize it. It's, it's very tough. We, you know, and especially with our son who uh, is fantastic. How old is your son? He's 13 months. He just mm-hmm. turned 13 months. His name's Jackson. Um, Jack, Jackie, whatever we call him, whatever, you know, yeah. but, but he is a total blessing. Um, and you know, so we, so we make sacrifices, right? She makes sacrifices for her business. I have to make sacrifices for mine. She operates more in the afternoon and the early evening, and I operate more during the daytime. Sometimes that means that I have to leave a little bit early, uh, to come home and take care of him, mm-hmm. you know? And for, for me, it's, it's, it's a weird it's a weird thing, right? I because you want to run, like let the horse out the stable and run. Well, I do, and I'd rather be, uh, you know, just being able to kind of generate business as much as possible. Um, thankfully, the internet has made that a little bit easier. easier, right? I can still do that from home at some points, um, but a big thing too is like you know I'd mentioned earlier, my my dad was like never around. Mm-hmm. I never had that even mm-hmm. at a time when I wasn't conscious of that I didn't have that so so I'm torn man I'm torn you know like yeah you, you want to be home yeah dude I I, I get it it's I just kind of ride the wave yeah. you know I'm like the deal that you know I know my shit I've spent a lot of time a long time in the trenches figuring out my product and how to sell it to people and when I'm there and I'm in front of people, I'm 100% present yeah. and I'm 100% gonna get to the next deal because I always show up. Yeah. And it's the same thing with my son, you know what I mean? And my wife, I just, I show up. If I'm needed somewhere, that's it, you know? And if, and if in business I'm needed somewhere, then we figure it out, her and I figure it out. Just as if she's needed somewhere, it's the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of clear communication. And um, I think a lot of people in, I give Keaton this credit when him and I started to do some coaching. You know, I had my numbers ready, and I gave this story before, so I apologize to the viewers, but I'm telling you. I had these numbers ready, and I had this marketing plan ready, and I had this other stuff ready, and he's like, hey, man, how's your, not Utah, how's your marriage? And I'm like, is my marriage? I'm like, I think it's pretty good, you know? And we were just talking about if you put 10% more into your wife, and she's able to put 10% more into you and the business, and... Uh, I just think it's something that's not talked a lot about in the business world. And, um, you know, we need to make sure that we have solid relationships. And if we do and they're strong and they're rooted in good morals and ethics, it's going to be a blessing to your business as well. The business, you know, I think that people um, like, oh, so-and-so can work 10 hours a day and I can only work eight or nine. Like, it's not It's not always about that, man. It's not always about that. You know, you. I think you, like people need to give themselves credit where their talents are, you know? Yeah. Are you efficient and effective while you're working? That's right, yeah. that's right. You know, and, and, and I'll, I'll tell you this, when I was younger, when I was in commercial real estate, I was in my 20s, I was so caught up into trying to generate business that I wasn't taking care of the people that I already had. Mm. You know what I mean? I had a deal in my pocket. Then it was like, let me go get the next deal, right? Because that's what I should be doing. Wrong, wrong advice. Let me execute this right down to the last board put down. Spend as much time because you will never, ever get a better deal off a phone call that you made than you will from somebody that you did good business with. Mm -hmm. You know? So... So I just try to do that now. You know what yeah, I mean? It's the three P's: people, process, product. 
Right. You know, and if it, give that service. If it means buying a piece of wood that I that that's that's tough to afford. If it means driving an hour to spend five minutes with somebody to look at something to figure something, out, then that's what I do. Yeah. Because those people will just continue doing work with me, and I don't have to keep and they're gonna running on that wheel. And they're going to tell their neighbors. That's it. Yeah. You know, a lot of people you move into the next sale, the next sale, the next sale. So, for example, the coaching business is something that I really kind of stumbled upon. And I always knew I wanted to get back and I always knew I wanted to help there. But it was like, well, I'm not at the lengths of Tony Robbins, even though we have the same last name, Ryan Robbins. And I'm not Ed Milet, but like, let's just say if I made 500 grand, why can't I teach a kid who's making 50 grand to make 100 grand or 200 grand? I absolutely can. So I always knew I wanted to do it, but I really kind of fell into it over the last two years. And it's not my main source of income. So I really nitpick like who I want to work with because I want to give them my full time and attention versus just selling them and moving, selling them and moving. And while I'm there in that hour, I'm not present, right? I, I know I have five more meetings behind it. So I've really limited the amount of one-on-one coaching that I do. I have the pit, obviously, a whole group, which you know anybody who watches that is your friends, your That's business owners, group. get in there. It's free. And uh, we do a lot of trainings in there. A lot of people are exchanging value, looking for services, yada, yada, yada. But um, to your point, you really have to pour your time and attention into things for those people to be repeat customers. I think um, there's a stat by Limro, which is something that really tracks a lot of stuff in the financial services space, life insurance, financial products. And uh, they say the average buyer will buy from you four to five times over their lifetime. So imagine, again, to your point, if I just sell them once, I'm product peddling and I'm not actually providing them value and service and servicing that product and I move on, yeah, I could keep running and maybe fooling people for a certain amount of time, but if I do a good job by them, and I've experienced this, I've been doing this for 17 years now, those people always are another purchase of a product or a strategy that you're able to sell to them and it's because you're doing a good job servicing and i know in today's day and age everybody's like quick you know stick move stick move and building that relationship is extremely important i fully agree you know um this past year i had never done this before but um my real estate agent who's who's a friend of mine uh he's uh, curtis counts a great guy he always sends an apple pie to us every Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. right? I can count on that, right? I don't, you know, Curtis and I, we hang out sometimes, but, you know, we've got our own lives and we're busy and we don't see each other often. He'll always send that apple pie, right? Every Thanksgiving, who do I think of? Curtis Counts, mm-hmm. right? He sold us our house five years ago. You know, I see him maybe once a year. And so this past year, I didn't have a lot of clients. I had a few clients. I had a few people that bought from me because I just opened my company. Uh, being in the city a couple days a week, I went and got these really nice chocolates. There's some La Maison, some nice place in Soho. All right? And I uh, just sent them chocolates. Now, the one designer, she lives in New York. She was at the trade show out in Paris with the one company that I'm selling for, Atmosphere & Bois. What does she tell the CEO of that company? You know what Tom bought me chocolates over Christmas? <laughs> yeah. He calls me, he goes, oh, you bought thing, chocolates? <laughs> Dude, I mean, yo, I, I teach all these guys like Trevor, like hats, nice hoodies, you know, golf hats, Yetis, you know, things that are not crazy expensive, but it's something nice, it's useful, 
people appreciate it. And again, just kind of some basic guerrilla marketing style thing, like you're throwing your brand on it or throw their brand on it, right? Which is even cooler. You're not promoting yourself. They're walking around now with a Yeti with something that's their brand. And uh, those, you know, I have saw it as a lost art. I have WCC cards that a lot of times what I'll do is if, if this was a lengthy process of moving assets over or doing some life insurance planning, you know, I'll write a handwritten note. And believe me, I'm not great at handwriting. Uh, my penmanship is not great. It's okay. But every single person comments on it. Every single person. Like, this is something I haven't had in a while. And you're starting to see a lot of the brands do it now. Origin and, you know, uh, I think recently GoDaddy Bag, which is a guy I recently connected with. I see him on his story probably two days ago, like, writing out a ton of handwritten letters. And that little shit goes a long way. People always remember how you make them feel. Mm-hmm. Over anything else. Yeah, I know. When I started this podcast, I had a few people reach back out to me and they let me know how I made them feel when we were like 12. <laughs> <laughs> that probably wasn't so good. <laughs> oh, man. You know what, though? Like, that's, you know, um, I always had a chip on my shoulder. And I know yeah. that. I think I've watched other episodes. I know your dad was a hardworking guy. And, yeah. you know, um, my, dad was, 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 my dad was, was not, not mm-hmm. present. Um, you know, and, and that like caused a lot of anger issues, man. It just really did. And, you know, it's just, you know, and I probably hurt a lot of other people because of me being that way, you know, yeah. and, you know, and that's the stuff you got to work try out, to figure out how to get over. You, you got to chew on it. You know, why do I act this way? Why do I do these things? And, Sometimes and you got to talk to other people, bro. Sometimes you got to do that. You got to get a trusted circle and get them to give you proper feedback and then be okay to swallow it. Sometimes it's not easy, right? Sometimes it may offend you. But that's my problem that I'm offended by. It's not that person. It's something that Correct. I'm allowing to offend me. That's my problem that I need to figure out. Because if they're saying something that isn't true, you know, now they're the asshole. That's something that, you know, I don't let in my, my courtroom. Right. But if more of us were open-minded and we would drop our egos and allow people to give us that honest, critical feedback, like your wife is doing. Your wife loves you. She doesn't want to tell you anything wrong my wife loves me my friends evan all of us i mean i ask for critical feedback all the time because i'm imperfect most people don't know that but i am imperfect um and you know it's it's something that you work out in life like you talk about the chip man i had a chip for so long and i don't think that chip ever really goes away i think part of that chip is good oh it's it, it, it's, yeah, I agree. It's, it's a powerful piece. You know, that's, that's pain that you went through. You know, your dad wasn't around figuring that out later. Why am I angry? You know, those skill sets that you were developing that you didn't know were developing is something that you turned into a superpower. Right. And Milet talks about that. If you can, if you, you know, a lot of times I let it control me, right? And through a lot of help and a lot of like tr- really hard understanding of it, now I can control it yes. to some degree. And that's a powerful thing. Yeah. You know, you take, you know. You harness it. You harness it, right. Use it when needed. Right, right. You know, I don't think that if I hadn't addressed those things, I don't know if I would even be in a position where I would have my own business today. Even if I wanted to. You know what I mean? Even if I had wanted to, I don't know if I'd be in that position. But, but thankfully, because I did, and I said, hey, you know what? Maybe I'm wrong sometimes. Maybe I'm not always right. Yeah. Maybe I'm... And you may be right, but the way you deliver it is wrong. Correct. That's what I struggled with, you know? Yes. It's like, yeah. nah, shut the fuck up. That's wrong. And it's like, well, all right. That was probably bad. <laughs> yeah. Now you're that. the asshole. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know I was right, you know? And then you get caught up like, well, I was right. Well, you just like made that person cry. Like, you know, what are you doing? And again, I think those types of deliveries and 
that that fuel that is in us. And my let shares a story, and a lot of people who listen to his stuff probably have heard him say this. But I was just out in Utah, and he was speaking on stage, and he talked about when his father would come home, he was able to see and identify as soon as he came through the door if he was drunk or not and he would usher his mom and sister up in the room and tell him to go to bed and get out of the dad's way and he would be trying to distract his father long enough to get over the couch talking about baseball at school whatever happened in his day to not get over to the liquor cabinet and he said by the time he was you know 9 12 13 years old he was able to identify by the way he jiggled the door handle if he was drunk or not so just imagine the skills that he was picking up, and this is what he was referencing, the skills that you pick up in that poor kid's environment, that pain that he was going through, but he was learning a really, really, really powerful skill, which is reading people, reading situations, which now he has used to be the number one speaker in the world on business. It's a lot of street smarts, man. Street lot, smarts go a long, long way. They go a long way, and, and, and for those of you who are out there, and like me, when I was younger, kicked out of school, troubled, trip, you know, chip on the shoulder, like, that shit can be turned into a superpower. Like ADHD, like that's a label, this is bad. ADHD for me, when I hyper-focus, there's not many people, unless they're on Adderall, that can keep up with the way that my mind tracks things and retains it. They just, you know, you know, they don't have it. I've turned it into a superpower. Now I can control it, or I can let it control me. And the things that we go through in life make us stronger and better if they don't kill us. Agreed. So I'm glad to see on the other side of that and crushing it. You seem like a great dad, good dude. I, I, you instantly walked in the backyard, just your demeanor. Like, ah, we're, I'm going to make money with this guy. We're going to have a good relationship. We're going to have some fun. No doubt, dude. No doubt. I'm, uh, you know, I'm excited again. I, I appreciate that you bringing me on here. It's, it's, it's been a great event. You got a great team. Yeah, they're uh, the best. I, I, you know, no one does it alone. Yeah. Evan, Matt, Mike, everybody, even all of our friends that support it. People who share it. You know, that's the biggest help. People don't realize you're doing this stuff online. Like, we need to get some likes. Like. Quick example, I was out in Utah, we broke for lunch, and we go past these guys, yo, you're a big guy here, what do you think? I'm like, what do you mean a big guy? Like, I'm, I thought I'm losing some weight. They're like, no, you're a big name here. I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, yeah, you got that sick podcast, Keith was on. And I'm, like, I'm no different than you, right? I'm no different than anybody who's watching the show, and without people doing that, I need them to, you know, share it and like it. And my point, what I was getting at is, these guys, I'm like, you never message me, I don't see you like it, I don't see you share it and tag me, and they're like, yo, huge fans of the show and I'm like dude guys like it share it so for those of you out here who watch this like your friends are launching a business they're putting a post up like it share it engage with it the way the algorithms and the way the technology works the more engagement the more spread that it gets it's wild though what what um, people's perception you know even I came in even doing the podcast and knowing you know even I came in here and I felt like I Maybe just because we hit it off so easily, but I felt like I knew you. Yeah, you know, exactly. just from watching these episodes. You know what it's I mean? A like there was a relationship. big familiar familiarity with you. So, you know, an unshameless plug. We're, we're doing an event called the event, March thirty first, a pre networking event. You better be there in a reclaimed wood barn and wall. I have to be. We're there. doing it in a lecture hall Saturday, a four or five hour you know speech. Myself, Keaton, another really big high fro- profile guest. That's to be announced and uh, a VIP dinner afterwards. And I'm going to be doing a speech and part of my speech is going to be explaining the virtual relationship and how you have to shift your mind from, we're used to doing a happy hour, a networking event, a coffee, a breakfast, and that's where we start to build rapport. And then we get together every quarter or every semi-annually and we're building a relationship of people who could be strategic partners or I could be a buyers of yours. You're doing that online every day. 
I'm opening up my life. I'm only opening up my vulnerabilities. I'm opening up my wins, my losses. People are now taking that journey with you and they're creating a virtual relationship. So just like you felt, you walked the back, you're like, oh, I know this dude. Um, that's thousands of others who are watching. So the power of utilizing social media as a tool and you need to manage your media is extremely, extremely important to a small business owner. And if you're not doing it, you need to get involved with it and figure it out. It's, it's important, you know, and even like, me, my, my, my closest colleague is, uh, is in Ottawa, Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the closest person that I talk to on a, on a daily basis that does the same thing as me. Mm-hmm. I don't have employees right now, mm-hmm. you know? So like, you know, having somebody to be like, hey, you know, I'm kind of going through the same stuff. It's always good. It's always good to see that, you know? It's always good to feel like you're part of a community, whether it's, uh, you know, a, 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 a group, you're part of some. Did right. you watch Matt Vincent's podcast? I did not watch that one. Yeah, so he's a, he's a world but champion I, in, in the Scottish games. And um, the reason his content started and then blew up was people participating in that. Same thing. There was maybe a handful of guys, 10, 12 guys that threw in his division. And he would film himself throwing for other people to critique. And they would share these videos. And he started just uploading it to YouTube because that was the most ease of use, right? They can go click on the link and go to it. And that's how he started his content career, talking about not knowing something you're doing at the time that could blow up. He's got a great apparel brand, not dead yet. Matt's a, a, a different dude than me, but he's somebody that I can completely respect his hustle and you know, doing what he wants to do in life. And that's what I think we all want to achieve as business owners. And um, you know, he talked a lot about that as well. You know? Nice. So it's just, it's a, it's a cool thing. The internet's, you know, it, it could be a weird place at times, but it's all how you use it. You know, if I give my son and your son a cell phone, they're going to play games and they want to watch, you know, trash truck. I give it to you and I, we make money. So it's how you connect your mind to the tool. And that's something that I'm looking to teach a lot of fucking people. Yeah. And you have to be, you know, you have to participate. Yeah. So I'm going to end with two questions. Okay. So, uh, First one, if you could tell a small business owner, someone like you who was, you know, knowing that you wanted to do it, but obviously there's fear, there's trepidation, what's the one thing you would tell a business owner that's looking to launch or take that risk? Or an entrepreneur? One thing that I would tell somebody is, um, I would say maintain a positive outlook, which is a really weird thing to say because you think like, oh, what does it mean to be a positive person all the time? You know, it just means like in your interactions day to day with people, don't dump on them about how difficult things yeah, are. Yeah, don't complain. Don't complain, you know. I mean, if you want to do that with your, with your family or somebody that's a trusted person. Yeah, we all have frustrations. But you don't do that with, you know, with the most, some of the most successful people that I've run across. I watch them closely. I watch people that are successful. I watch people that... I don't think maybe they're successful, but I don't really think so. And a big difference between those people is the information that they share with you. Yeah. You know, how, you know, you know, how's your day going? Day's great. The day is great. That's all you have to say. You don't need to be a, you don't need to be a wacky positive, but you can just say it's a great day, you know, and just think about all the good things that are happening. You know, attitude, attitude. Yeah. You just, you don't need to, you don't need to do a 180, but just tilt it a little bit yeah put a different perspective on that it. was hard for me for a long time too because i was so focused to win right i was so focused to win so my passion would come across the wrong way and over time it was like you need to just channel that properly slow it down deliver things properly make sure you're communicating clearly so i couldn't agree more second question 
you know, one or two business owners you want to give a shout out to in the Jersey area? All right. Well, I talked about the, obviously the designer that, you know, that I split the space, my wife, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, Another, another company that I, that I will talk about is uh, CrossFit Coa up in, they're in Mountainside. They're on 22 in Union. It is a great community. It is, uh, I, I had done CrossFit before the pandemic for a little while. Um, and then the last day of the company that I worked at, the last time that I ever worked for somebody else was the last Friday in February of 2022. And the, that Monday, it was March, whatever it was, March 1st or 2nd. I started there and I made a commitment to myself because I was by myself, because I didn't have any partners, because it was a one-man show, that I was gonna go to the gym at least four days a week, and get there early, so I hit up 5 a.m. class, do that every day. Those, that little, little thing has changed me internally and externally so much. Yeah. So, and they have a great organization. Josh is the owner over there. He's got a great family business. It's a great community to be a part of, and it's those things that you need when you are trying to do something that's very difficult. Yeah. Um, they say if you start your day with some shit hard, the rest of your day's easy. You know, I get yeah, up that's and walk. so funny, dude. I that's get so- up and walk every day at 5 a.m. Whether I, you know, I have flat feet, I have plantar fasciitis, and, you know, I'm not going to run. I'm not a runner anymore. I've never really been a runner. I'm a big boy. I've always been a big boy. But to get up and, you know, lift or hit the sauna for 45 minutes. And in the sauna, I don't just sit there. You know, I bring in dumbbells, 25-pound dumbbells, and I'm doing bent-over rows, I'm doing bicep curls, or I'm doing push-ups in there. It's almost like a meditation. Whether yeah. You, whether you do yoga... You're talking about giving you yourself time to think. Give yourself time to think. You know, it's so funny that you said that about the hardest, you know, doing something hard. Yeah. One day we had a really, really tough class, and, and, and Josh was coaching, the owner was coaching the class, and I left. I'm like, shit, dude, I just get torn up. Really, you just you really get torn. It really tears you up. Yeah. And he goes, Tom... It's the hardest thing you're going to do all day. I said, yeah. shit, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. It's and so I took right. that to heart, you know, and I just kind of kept doing it, you know. And, 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 and when you, I will tell you that, you know, and this is something, I'm, I'm 39 years old. I have not done this my whole life. When you wake up at, even if it's three or four days a week, when you wake up at 4.30 in the morning and you go and you take a class at 5 a.m. and you know that the rest of the world is pretty much still sleeping. Yeah. You got a leg up. Ah, oh, it's a huge confidence boost. I, 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 Phil Rizzo, a friend of ours, another guy in real estate, you know, Phil's, you know, kind of let himself go physically and health-wise for, for a while, and he's got a beautiful daughter he loves and, you know, wants to give her the world, and, you know, just seeing him change recently, the last three months, making him come out and walk with me every morning, 5 a.m., 5.30, um, or coming to the gym or going to a gym with another buddy, like, that stuff is so important. Again, we need to be healthy to run as a business owner. We need to be healthy to have the energy to get down on the floor and play with your kids. You need to have energy. Now come the weekend. Now here's the time with your family. You need to go to the park. You need to ride the beast cruiser. You need to go on the vacation. You need to hop in the car and drive to the Catskills. You gotta have energy. Your health is important. For a long time, I, I ignored it a little bit myself. You know, I was kind of half and half. I'd work out, but I'd also have three, four bourbons and eat a pork leg and cheese in the morning. Of course. So you know, health. You know, making sure you're getting to the gym is something that's really important for business owners. And shout out to the CrossFit gym that you're a part of. Well, dude, this has been fun. You're a good dude. It's been dude. a blast. Yeah. Again, when I meet two people on here, I'm always like, I, I'm not mad at anybody, but I'm like, I'm going to talk to that person, you know, quite a bit. So I think we'll be friends for a while. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. It's been, it's been a great time. Cheers.